Comments made on the Ceratok Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratek Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Triple click poll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 20th episode of Triple Click Home. That's really kind of hard to believe. Uh, next month, we will finally be legally allowed to drink. So, yeah, oh, that's for right. Us. Yeah. Today, I am joined by Mr. John Panneries. Hello. And sitting in for Mr. Buddy Brandon is our favorite Jamie Pauls. I am not Buddy, and I will not pretend to be Buddy, but I will do the best I can. So hopefully he can join <laughs> us in episode 21. He can drink with the rest of you guys. That's right. Maybe we should all just be drunk for the next Oh, podcast. dear. Oh, my. Mm. That will go wrong very quickly. <laughs> then we'd be even more snarky than usual. That's right. All right, people. Well, let's start with the top of the news. And at the top of the news, we have an article here for you that talks about last week. The developers page apparently was not available. And for three days, developers kept on visiting their development site. And there was just a sign that said, I'm sorry, we can't help you at this time. We'll be, we'll back. be back. Yeah, out we're to at lunch. lunch. And what they didn't tell anybody was why it was just not available. And it turns out that there was a security breach. Now, we also have an article in our show notes that talks about a young hacker who came out and actually admitted that he was the person behind the security breach. He told Apple immediately, and he was not doing this as a malicious attack. Yes, he, he calls himself a freelance a security consultant. Yeah, exactly. I think hacker He's, might get him upset. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I wonder what that felt like to realize, oops, I just did something really, really bad to Apple's site. Right, right. And, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's like three sides to every story. So Apple's saying that the data was compromised but right. this guy's saying, no, 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 they shut it down because I told them there were 13 bugs or something like that. Right. So it's one of these, who do you and believe? And then I had 100,000 developers' information. But I didn't, I wasn't doing anything malicious. I just wanted to prove to Apple that their site was vulnerable. Right. You know? So who do you believe? Yeah. Uh, right. I don't know. You know, mm. on the one hand, I do know that there are hackers who do exactly what this guy is telling us that he did, which is that they purposely go in and find a way to see if they can hack into a system. And they're not doing it to get anybody's information. They have no intention of being malicious whatsoever. They want to do this so that they can say to this company, hey, by the way, I can do this in five minutes. Yeah, look what I did, you know. Yeah. And he even, you know, this guy went as far as saying, look, you can look me up on Facebook. I'm legit. You know, I do this for a living. So, you know, again... Believing is in the eye of the reader, I guess. (laughs) The important thing, of course, to know for all the developers out there is that even if this wasn't what he claimed it to be, there's no evidence that compromising information was actually gotten. So people don't need to necessarily worry, although Apple not being as forthcoming about what was going on is a little concerning. But I can understand their perspective. They don't necessarily want to say on the page, "Um, I'm sorry, we're down because we got compromised. Right. Especially the stuff that's been happening with other companies that have lost, you know, customer data. 
Right. You know, so I guess Apple was just trying to figure out, look, you know, what happened and what did people actually, you know, was there any data that was stolen or mm-hmm. could have been stolen? You know, not to defend Apple, but, you know, maybe, yeah, I am. But, you know, that's, <laughs> you got to look at it from the company perspective, you know, at the, especially what's been going on of late. Yeah. And I just saw the the news about the SIM cards for older or less sophisticated cell phones, like something like 750 million phones that use this particular SIM card are now in danger because apparently they can be hacked into in less than two minutes. The person can get access to your credit card information. They can make phone calls. They can receive phone calls. Oh, lovely. Kind of scary. <laughs> it is very scary. I mean, it's yeah. just that whole thing. You build the better mousetrap. There's always going to be somebody who comes along who can, you know, break it. Exactly. Well, and consider the fact that there are hackers who literally, that is their life. You know, their goal in life is to take a system and break it. One of my clients is a former hacker in, uh-huh. from his youth, and he got visited by the FBI when he was 12 years old. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> Not mentioning any names, but uh, he's <laughs> yeah. got quite a fascinating story. I'll bet. Wow. All right. Well, let's move on away from our hacking stories and compromising data to talk a little bit about the newest build that developers have gotten to see of iOS 7, talking a little bit about Siri and her new features and how they're not as cool as Google's, apparently. What do you guys think? It's funny because I, you know, people who use Androids will tell you that their voice is better. Their, you know, recognition is better. And then, you know, I I don't know. I really, I've never used an Android device, so I can't speak with any authority on how they compare, but I think Siri takes a lot more abuse than, you know, let me put it to you this way. Everybody around me uses iPhones and Siri and they use it successfully and they do a lot of amazing things. And this is beyond what I do. I mean, way beyond what I do on my daily activities. So whether she's better or not than Google, I don't know. But I just think Siri sometimes gets a bad rap. And I think, you know, it's just the typical media, you know, Apple, in which we'll get to a couple of stories later that made me laugh because <laughs> of the typical media media frenzy before the facts actually got out. Uh-huh. I was on a road trip over the weekend and I asked Siri to give me directions to uh-huh. a certain place. My wife, of course, was driving and I was doing the navigating and and Siri came back and said, I'm not certain this is what you want. And as it turned out, it wasn't exactly. It got us close, but I thought that was actually right. kind of cool. Yeah. It's like she's saying, hey, you know, you may want to take this with a grain of salt because I'm not sure I'm giving you the right information right. here. <laughs> so that was actually kind of helpful. Yeah. yeah. Voice recognition is always an adventure. It is you know, always an adventure. You get some people that say, she never understands me. She never understands me. Yeah, some people she doesn't, you know, with, with my New York accent. Right. And are you in a crowded room when you're right, trying to do this, right. whispering into your microphone? I've done that. And right. Of course, doesn't work quite as well. No, my least favorite thing is when there are other people in the room and then I stop talking and she's still listening because there's noise around me. Yes. Right. No, no, right. don't listen to them. And something else that doesn't work at all is like if you're trying to copy, like say you're doing voice dictation and you're using your notes app yeah. and someone's giving you a phone number and you're trying to repeat it back, that, no, that just no. is all kinds of broken yeah. when you get done with yeah. it. <laughs> but there are some new cool things that are coming. They're going to actually be integrating with Bing, which is kind of shocking because we, as we all know, Apple and Microsoft don't have the greatest relationship. Yeah, it's kind of funny how what changes, you know? Yeah, and I think it's good, though, that they're going to be accessing both Google and Bing. 
in case one has better results. There are, of course, the new voices. So if you are offended by having a woman tell you what to do for some reason, you will now have the option of having a man tell you what to do. Well, why should any guy be surprised about that? Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along. Sorry. And um, I've gotten to hear some of the new voices, and I think they're pretty cool. So I think there's some potential there. Definitely. I just think Siri's one of those things that's going to constantly get better and better. And I think it's like as iOS continues to evolve, you know, I think that Siri is only going to improve and do more things because people are always saying, well, why can't you do this? Or why can't you do that? I just think it's a matter of time before she will be able to do this and do that. Yeah. And honestly, you have to wonder, okay, well, is she going to get to the point where we're like, no, this is just creepy. You really just should stop. Yeah, (laughs) that's the other side of the coin, the flip side. (laughs) That old Apple commercial that they had when Siri was first released that you could see on the, I think it was on the Apple website, Mm -hmm. was something that they did years ago where they had the personal assistant where the guy's just talking to his computer and his computer's talking back to him like a regular person. Yeah. It's kind of a scary space odyssey sort of thing you know yeah sure what are you doing dave you know that's what scares me about that technology i don't feel like working today (laughs) i have a friend who uses an android and she uh posted on facebook the other day google stop trying to compartmentalize my life (laughs) because you know yeah they uh sometimes those those apps that quote-unquote, help you manage your life are just intrusive. And Well, I think Google is intrusive overall with their policies, but that's another story. Yeah. So speaking of Siri and iOS 7, we have a neat article here that talks about the fact that nobody's actually experienced the real iOS 7. And that is, of course, because a majority of your time spent on your iPhone is actually using third-party applications rather than your built-in ones. And the word is still out as to what this is going to look like. I myself am not a software developer, but I do realize that it's very time-consuming to create applications. And the design of iOS 7 could be so fundamentally different that it may take developers a lot of their time, money, and effort to provide those updates. And what do you guys think? Do you think it would be legitimate for any of these app developers to say, hey, could you pitch in a couple extra bucks because this took me, I don't know, weeks to fix? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me any if that happens. I actually saw an article uh, some time ago that apparently Twitterific is becoming increasingly popular because I guess it looks more like iOS 7 is going to. They didn't do that on purpose. Huh. It just kind of worked out that way. Neat. So uh, apparently their theme and their look is already more like what the new OS is going to look like. If I got that story straight. Okay. That was kind of interesting. But no, I wouldn't be surprised to have developers say, hey, you know what? This next upgrade is going to be a paid upgrade. Yeah. So, and I think there's some legitimacy to that, honestly. It would yeah. make sense. Mm-hmm. You, you, this is a total rewrite of the operating system. I mean, they basically went back to scratch. Johnny Ives got involved. So it stands to reason that app developers are going to have to rewrite the apps probably from the ground up in some cases. So, you know, to me, why not charge something for the upgrade? 
You know what's going to happen in our community, though, John. Yes, I know exactly what's going to happen yes. in our community. Anytime you got to pay anything in this community, it's it's causes. <laughs> I a already riot. paid once. Well, I can't actually see any of the upgrades, oh, John. Nice. So yeah, yeah. You know. uh huh. Yeah. So why should I pay for it? Why don't right. they just leave things the way they are? <laughs> I'll stop. But as we all know. The developers who go to the trouble of making their app fully accessible with voiceover are putting in quite a bit more time and effort. And we'll get to that a little bit later in our show, just as evidence for you guys that they're not being greedy. They're simply stating the reality, which is that this is uh, something that you just sit down and do one day. You know, it's a very time consuming. Well, you know, and here's the bottom line. When you're developing an app, you're trying to sell it. You're trying to make money. You're trying to make a living. Let's be completely honest about this. People are not making apps necessarily out of the kindness of their hearts. Right. You know, when you're a developer, you do have to feed your family. You do have to feed yourself. So, you know, it's just logical to charge. And, you know, let's think about, you know, there's a big difference between paying $2.99 and $3.99 for an application than paying, you know, $70, $80, $150 bucks from years ago for applications. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. Yep. But moving along, we'll talk a little bit about maps because maps are fun. Yeah. Oh, I think they're a little more fun when you can actually see them. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) So Apple has apparently gotten not one, but two new companies that it's just acquired. It, of course, won't tell us why it acquired them and how much it paid for them. But in both cases, we are looking at applications that should be improving their map application. Yeah. What do you guys think about this? I have to say, because we're getting ready to talk more and more about this whole maps GPS thing in this show as we move along. But when Siri and Apple Maps work, man, they really work. When you say yes, give me directions too, and it just spits it right out and starts giving you turn yeah. by turn, that's pretty cool. It's very cool. Did it in Florida when I was out and down in Florida for the um, the NFB show. I also took some time to visit some places and people I haven't seen in years, uh-huh. and that was my friend. The Maps app in Siri, and you know yep. the directions were spot on every single time. Never a problem. Different places all over the east coast of Florida. So yeah. I can definitely attest to that. Yep. And I'll tell you, when you're in a hurry and you don't have the time to put in the data, just asking Siri for directions is pretty awesome. Right. And give me a list of restaurants nearby while you're at it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. The other day I asked Siri for a recommendation for a Caesar salad, and she came back with, I'm very sorry to report that there are no reviews of restaurants in your area that list Caesar salad. (laughs) Bummer. Did you guys ever use that um, talking menus or uh, all-access talking menus application? I did not. It's very good. I used that down in Florida, not to plug the uh, developer, but he, oh, I mean, I am fine. because of the fact that sure. he has been very receptive to the blindness community and making it voiceover compatible with each update. Which application? It's John? called All I was going to say, all, we'll put a link to it. Yeah, it's it. All Access Talking Menus. And it literally, oh, I have that. yeah, it yes. shows you every restaurant and, and you could, you know, limit it by category, Italian, you know, bakery, right. whatever. And I used this thing down in Florida and holy crap, it was spot on again. And it really helped us find oh, some fantastic. dinners a couple of nights. So I really, hats uh-huh. off to the guy. I think it's Todd Bernhardt or something is his name. I forget who the developer is, but it's a great application. Okay. You may have to uh, visit with this gentleman for a future triple click. <laughs> yeah, window. right. But- Let's put it on the list. Let's do it. I'm voting for Solara. Can we get that guy? 
Actually, Joe Steinkamp just did a an interview with Solara that's going to be on uh, Sarah Talk 162, which is... Dang it! Uh, you know, what can I say? We'll definitely post a link. But continuing on this little trek to uh, improve their Maps applications, I am particularly interested in their acquisition of Hopstop. Yes. Which focuses primarily on public transit. And that is the one thing about Maps right now that I'm really not happy about. Is yeah. that right. with Absolutely. Google Maps, I can go and get my bus routes and know what time they're leaving and where to go. And Apple sends me somewhere else because they don't have that built in. Yeah, that I think is pretty telling that they're going to be doing something with transit and not so distant future for sure. And now that they've acquired Hopstop, it apparently is no longer available in the Microsoft <laughs> marketplace. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. I'm shocked. Oh, wait. No, I'm not not really shocked. So what do you guys think? Do you think CopStop will uh, disappear from Android as well? Oh, boy. <sighs> that's that's going to be interesting to see. If it disappeared from the Windows Store, the Microsoft uh, mm-hmm. Store, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually goes... You know, I, I, if it's Apple owns it, why would they want to help the competition, you know? But you know, who knows? I don't know for sure. But I, if I was a betting man, I would say, yeah, I would. eventually it's going to disappear from the Android store. I agree. Only time will tell. True. But hopefully with these acquisitions, those of us who use public transit on a regular basis, because we have to, and we should, yes. Yes. Have to and we should. My hope is that when iOS 7 gets released, or maybe in 7.1 or soon thereafter, we will see public transit listed in our options for getting directions, because I think that's pretty critical. Definitely. Let's move on to a discussion that isn't so happy, but it's a reality, and that is that with us having so many interactions with our screens during the day... We don't seem to actually be minimizing the number of vehicular deaths that are due to distraction by our cell phones. And I'm wondering what you guys' thoughts are on this, because Apple is going to integrate its iOS basically into new vehicles. The theory is that we will be minimizing the distraction because people won't be interacting with their screens anymore. But I have a feeling that that's really not true and that we're just changing the distraction to some other level. This is a really tough problem because we covered a story a few weeks ago on Sarah Talk that said even when you talk to your devices, so you have hands free, it's like a different part of your brain is involved in giving specific directions. So if you're just having a conversation with, you know, someone in the car, that's one thing. If you're telling your phone, launch Pandora and play whatever, it's a different thinking process. And so you still end up with that tunnel vision that causes you to not pay as, uh, you know, be as alert as you should. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the solution to this is, because as you say, Alina, you know, vehicular navigation and all kinds of options, our cars are going to be connected to the Internet more and more. So people Mm -hmm. are going to be doing more and more of this. And I don't know what the right answer is here. I think I know exactly what the right answer is. Driverless cars. <laughs> and that's probably where we're headed eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at the risk of sounding cynical, but, you know, it's like <laughs> drunk driving. You know, it's like all of the public service announcements and, and how many times even the beer commercials, you know, and drink responsibly, blah, blah, blah. People still go out and do it. 
Because you yeah. have this mentality that people have that it's not me, it's the other guy. I can yep. handle my alcohol. I can text. Mm-hmm. It's not me, it's the other person who can't do multitasking, but I can do it. And right. that's the problem. Too many people have that attitude that it's the other guy, not me. Yeah. You know? Well, and as these things get smarter, I mean, it still takes work to get your voice dictation or to get Siri to do what you want or Google. I mean, yeah, it's cool and it's pretty easy, but it still requires a little bit of gymnastics verbally. So as this <laughs> stuff really, <laughs> as natural language really improves and that sort of thing, the problem might kind of not be as major right, at as, some point. Right. I'm still voting for the driverless car. Yeah, so am I. I think then that will that will eliminate transit directions and everything. You know, we just get in the car <laughs> there you go. go. You know, blind people we could go wherever we want. Don't have to rely on that. Anybody. Would be the coolest thing. I so uh, want to be. I want to yeah. be the person that's like, yep, I could be an itinerant teacher and not have to hire a driver. Ha! Huh. Right. Exactly. Just hop in my car. Yeah. Tell it go there. Wake me when we arrive. <laughs> just get there. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. I play music a lot, and I do a county fair or something, and you know, you leave at ten thirty, and you got an hour and a half drive home. That wake Ugh. me when I arrive would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no joke. So let's go away from sadness here. Well, maybe not so much, but let's talk a little bit about our cell phone carriers. My favorite people, because uh, <laughs> the telecoms. Yeah, none of them are evil. Wait, no, all of them are evil. <laughs> yeah. Verizon. Let's start with Verizon. Verizon kind of promised to sell 25 million iPhones before the end of the year. Yeah. They've sold 7 million iPhones before at this point. And oh, look, it's July. Uh Actually, it's almost August. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Sounds problematic. You know, it's still a lot of iPhones. It is. It's like 57 percent of, of their sales, you know. So, yeah. you know, from a realistic perspective, we're not talking about like, you know, uh, dimes here, you know, right. 50 something. Right. Was it 58 percent of their sales since the, you know, they picked up the iPhone has been iPhones. Sure. Right. Yeah. But still, you know, they're, they're going to fall well short of what they promised Apple. And it's going to be interesting to see how Apple handles that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, are they going to drop the hammer or not? If you guys are interested, the reason why the number is as high as it is is because basically Apple wanted proof from Verizon that they should be included as a carrier. And in order to do that, I think Verizon basically had to say, well, we're going to sell this many because that's how awesome our network is. Mm -hmm. Right. And everybody on Verizon wants the iPhone. So you have to play with us. I was just going to say that, Jamie. I was going to say, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see when the new iPhone comes out, if there's going to be a low-cost iPhone, yeah. how many uh-huh. more they could sell by the end of the year yeah. to sort of right. rack up some sales for them. So, and just so you, know, you guys know, we closed. don't know that there's a new iPhone. Well, we don't. Yes, this is yes. true. Let's, okay, let's take a step back. Fair yes, enough. Yes. So don't, don't get excited, folks. We're just, we're just speculating There's here. no exclusive here we're on Triple Click. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, we don't know any inside yeah. info. No. <laughs> but Triple Click said. Yeah. <laughs> but Triple Click said. They're waiting said. in line in September. <laughs> Triple Click yeah. Home said there was going to be a new iPhone. <laughs> Oops. Uh, well, All right, kid, go away. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see. We have no idea what Apple's response is going to be. It's possible that they might have a contractual obligation to pay Apple money because, you know, 
that's not only a hit to Verizon, it's a hit to Apple. Right. And speaking of hits to companies and and them trying to make our experience, quote unquote, better, T-Mobile, AT&T and Verizon have all come out with new upgrade policies. And you can now have the option of having no contract with all three of these carriers. Yes, you can. It just might cost you a pretty penny. Yeah, I like that. The devil is in the details. It always Mm -hmm. is the case. Yes. This great article that we have in our show notes actually gives you in detail the breakdown of how much it would cost you for... A Galaxy S4, which is one of the premier Android devices. Yeah, which is pretty comparable um, to an iPhone. So you could pretty much interchange. Yes, it's iPhone comparable to an iPhone. So it's very appropriate. It breaks down the costs for each carrier and why. It's important to note for Verizon and AT&T customers that they have not actually lowered their data and voice plans whatsoever. They are simply offering you the option of paying for your device at its retail cost so that you don't have to be under a contract. It also gives you the option of upgrading after a year rather than two years. So, of course, in that situation, if you end up upgrading early, you still have to pay for the device. Right. That's something that's very important for people to realize. Like, you're not off the hook. Not not the least. You're still paying. You know, that's the thing. (laughs) And, you know, and it was interesting reading the breakdown that T-Mobile looks like it's probably, quote unquote, the best value if you look at the three comparisons. The only problem is I don't know the areas you guys live in, but T-Mobile is really, you know, as far as accessing, It's it's terrible out here. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it'd be great looking at the numbers go, wow, you know, they're, they're really well below Verizon and certainly AT&T, but I'm not going to be able to call anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the problem. Yeah. So if you are one of those people that needs a new device every single year, you can look at these breakdowns and say, is it worth my money? One thing I will point out to you is that in the breakdown they are giving you the prices for both unlimited talk and un- uh, not unlimited data because none of these people offer unlimited yeah, data. Anymore. Right. But it's unlimited talk. And for an AT&T customer, that's $120 a month. For a Verizon customer, that's $100 a month. And I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of people who have the unlimited talk plans. I'm not one of them. So keep that in mind when you're looking at this breakdown. So if you wanted to, you could actually use your talk plan. But don't forget about your data, because, of course, that's still there. That's going to be, right. Yeah, it's interesting. And so we'll see how these uh, end up working out for these three companies. Of course, T-Mobile came out with it first, and then Verizon and AT&T had to go, oh, wait a minute, no, we we were totally going to do that. Yeah, I just wish somebody else would come along. The whole time. All right. Well, when we come back, we will have an interview with the developer of the Voice Stream app. And it's a pretty great interview. It and that's is, me shooting my own horn since I did it. <laughs> did a great job, <laughs> by the way. So we hope you guys enjoy that. And after the interview, we'll be back with some more stories. Looking for a cross-platform solution to quickly convert printed materials and PDFs into text, MP3, or DAISY formats? Check out Serotech's DocuScan Plus. For just $299, use DocuScan Plus on your Windows or Mac computer. 
Store documents in the cloud for easy retrieval and access them from anywhere. For more information, visit www.docuscanplus.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this month's interview on Triple Click Home. Today, I am joined by Mr. Winston Chen. He is the developer of Voice Stream Reader, which is an app that we have known about for a little while now. It's really a great application because of its support for organizations such as Bookshare and Dropbox and Instapaper. And it is a way for you to access files and books and other media in an audio format. So Winston, can you tell us a little bit of background of how did you come about creating this application? Sure, sure, Alina. Thanks very much for inviting me. I I really appreciate that. There's a long story for how this app was created. About two years ago, I had been working for a software company for a long time, and uh, I wanted to do something different. So um, that something different turned out to be taking my wife and two kids to live on a small island north of the Arctic Circle for a year. Some of the, uh, the idea came from a TED talk about that people should be taking one year off every seven years, uh, their uh-huh. retirement year. So, in fact, taking five years out of retirement and spreading them through your working life, which I, I thought is a wonderful idea. And it was, it was the right time in my career, as well as for my family to do that. So when I got to the island, I, um, I had a list of things I wanted to do, um, personal things, professional things, uh, spent a lot of time fishing, hiking, cod, big cod, learned how to smoke cod, salt cod, dry cod, or anything you can do related to fish. When the winter hit, I wanted to occupy my mind with something indoors, and, and that turned out to be writing an app. Okay. When I first wrote the app, I didn't have the blind community in mind for sure. In fact, uh-huh. I was writing an app for people like me, busy people uh-huh. with lots of stuff to read, lots of white right. papers, lots of well, articles on the internet, and so on, books, and no time to do it. So if people do spend a lot of time driving, then it would be nice for an iPhone app to read it out loud the things that they otherwise wouldn't be able to read. Right. So, yeah, so I spent, I spent about two months writing the app, and the app went into the App Store. And the day after it came out in the App Store, I got an email from a teacher. He said uh-huh. he, he had a brilliant math student. He was a math teacher. He had a brilliant student who can figure out answers to difficult math questions very quickly. The problem was taking exams uh-huh. because he had trouble yeah. reading. He had dyslexia. Very, very severe dyslexia. So every time okay. during the exam, the teacher would take the kid by the back of the class and read the exam for the kid. Right. Um, and then he said, now I, I, I load up my, uh, the, my exam on my iPad and I give this kid the iPad. And then this kid can use play, pause, and go through the exam, write down the answer all by himself. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Then, it, of course, got, got me thinking what a wonderful thing that is for this child, you know, rather than feeling different, you know, feeling that he, you know, needed extra help. And now he, he must feel empowered and independent. Yeah. I guess that was the starting point for the journey of how I come to understand that there are all kinds of different ways to read or quote unquote read written text. Mm-hmm. 
And the app sort of evolved from there. How did you settle on your choice of TTS voices? This is something that we kind of talk about in our community because there are voices that we really like, and then there are voices that we don't understand why companies choose. So what made you decide to go with the set of voices that you have? Well, in the beginning, I didn't have much of a choice. Um, okay. Fact, I, I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote the app originally to use the Apple's built-in voices. Oh, sure. But then I realized that Apple would, would reject the app because those voices are considered private. So when I realized that my app would be rejected, I frantically went out in the market trying to find TTS voices, and I found the voices from acapella. But what I liked about it is that they had lots of different voices from various languages, and the quality was very good. And they were very easy to do business with, didn't impose any crazy terms on me. So it was a fairly easy decision to go with acapella. Then after it's been out for a while, I, all the acapella voices were available. I discovered Neil Speech, which made some wonderful English voices and Bridget, Paul, Kate. Now, the voices that the TTS community ha has known for a long time because they were available on PCs and in very expensive software like Kurzweil. Yes. Right, $1,500 list price. Uh-huh. And Neil Speech voices were not available on the iPad, but the, although they, the, the, the voices had an iPad or iPhone version, so I took that and worked with it, overcame a few technical hurdles, and finally made those voices available in my app in a way that they can read long-running text. Yes. It's very different to have a voice, right, the, to, to read short phrases and, and, and so on. It's another story to have a voice read long text because you could be feeding the voice, you know, the Gutenberg Bible, right? Uh -huh. You know, where the, the, the whole... The, very, very long pieces of text, and, and the voices cannot choke on that. It has to be able to handle that gracefully. Indeed. So I, I was very happy the fact that I could make it work and bring these wonderful voices into a reading app on iPad and iPhones. I'm very happy. I myself have not downloaded any additional voices. I'm pretty happy with Heather. She's, um, she's very versatile and easy to listen to. Um, but for all of our listeners, you should know that there are 78 different voices to choose from. If you so choose to purchase any additional voices for your application, they are there. And I have a number of friends on Twitter who have told me their personal recommendations. And everybody seems to be very happy with the price point for all of the voices as well as the selection to choose from. So we're very appreciative of that. Yeah, pricing-wise, it's amazing how the market's different. Uh -huh. You know, these voices on, on PCs and Macs, each voice used to cost like $25. Wow. Uh, I think that's the lowest I've found uh -huh. on PCs. And now in my app, they're available for 2 to $3. Right. I mean, that's a 10x reduction. Yeah, it's a wonderful price point for us to have access to. Because one of the important things for me is to have voices that are easy to listen to and something that I can listen to for long periods of time. I started using a screen reader about 10 years ago and the eloquence voice that I was forced to work with on JAWS is something that even today I still can't really enjoy. So it's nice that we've kind of broadened into this more human sounding interaction with our text-to-speech voices. Uh, apparently, there are members of the community who find it kind of creepy. Um, 
but I don't think they're the majority. Yeah, actually, I, I got a bunch of emails requesting to see if I can make the eloquence voice available in, in voice stream. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, they said when reading at very, very fast speed, the eloquence voice does extremely well. And also when you're reading at that kind of fast speed, intonation and naturalness really doesn't matter. You're just consuming words. Right. So I can see that perspective, though. Yeah, they definitely have a point. For some reason, the robotic, more robotic sounding voices have the ability to speed up um, without losing the inflection and intonation with, with words, which is really interesting. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed when I first looked at your website was that you actually have a how-to on how to work with Braille displays. Was that something that you had to actually code for the application or do they work with Braille displays by default because the iPhone does? It works by default. Okay. I didn't have to do very much. Okay. First of all, I, I like to say the uh, blind community has been so supportive and so patient with me with w what I've been doing. And this app was not voiceover capable until about five months ago. And that was when various people from the Guidepoint community around the world reached out to me and said, you really should do a few things to make your, your app voiceover driven or voiceover accessible. Yeah. And I realized that, of course I should. For a blind person, this app is a big deal. So I went and went ahead and spent a lot of time doing that. Okay. And, um, and the community has been very receptive, very helpful. You know, blind people from, from 10 different countries uh -huh. translated the app into the local languages. Oh, that's fantastic. And, uh, uh, you know, always coming to me with lots of good suggestions to make it even better. And I'm still working on, on making the app more accessible for blind people. So from a developer's perspective, um, if we have other developers that listen in on the show, can you talk a little bit about what that process looks like? I feel like from what I've been told or heard from people, Apple does a really good job of making the app accessible and simpler process than it used to be in the past. Did you feel that way or has it been a lot of learning and trial and error. Yes, Apple has done a, an amazing job to make an app sort of, you know, 80% accessible in a sense that a lot of the accessibility features are built in. But the last 20% is, but 80% oftentimes is good enough, depending on what kind of app it is, sure. right? At least you can get around it, even though it may not, you know, may not sound very smooth. When you push on a button, you hear like, you know, a, a crazy name for the button because that's how the developer named the file. Correct. That's how the picture for the button, right? I'm sure you've heard stuff. Oh, like yes. That. We, we often um, talk about in least... the community <laughs> that apps are accidentally accessible. <laughs> they're not right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't done on purpose <laughs> but the last 20 percent is actually really hard because you really have to start thinking about an interaction for example let's say the slider that changes the speech rate right, right? if yes. you don't do anything it'll tell you 10 percent, 20 percent 30 percent which isn't Correct. terribly useful and um, so to make that, and, and plus the jump of 10% is actually too high because when you turn voiceover on by default, it does yeah. 10%. So the extra work of making the jump of 5% instead of 10%, which I think is better. And also, rather than saying percent after a change occurs, to say, okay, now you've changed the value to, let's say, 250 words per minute. Right. That took time, right? 
Um, I believe it. That, that's where the default, whereas the default doesn't work all that well. The same thing goes with the um, the slider that adjusts where you are in the text. Uh-huh. And also the labels and the button that shows you, that tells you how much time you got left. Yes. Right? If you don't do anything, it will say 320, right? Uh-huh. But if you want somebody to really understand it, because that's cited people see, 3 colon 20. 20 that. That's right. So, But you have to say, well, 3 minute 20 seconds, uh-huh. because that's what it says. And that's what it means. Okay. So, so lots of small things are time-consuming. Uh-huh. But 80% of it is sort of built in. Right? Okay. As you said, accidental. Right. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that even if it's time-consuming, that you feel like it's been worth your time. Because we certainly appreciate... I even really appreciate the newest version. The small changes that you made have made the player that much more usable and easier to navigate through the book, which is oftentimes very important for us. I myself am a master's student, so if I'm using VoiceDream on a textbook, I need to make sure that I have navigation abilities that are sometimes very specific. That's one thing I, I realized as I try to think like a blind person. Mm-hmm. One time, you know, so for some of the tests, I actually, I actually close my eyes to test to see if the app works. Okay. But as I try to think like a blind person, I start to realize that the notion of a page and lines on a page is actually a limitation of sighted people. If you're not restricted by having to see, uh-huh. then you can think of text in, in much more flexible ways. So, for example, you know, when you think of a piece of text, there's no reason to break it down into lines and pages because, you know, like, like I said, because if you have to look at the text, that's how you were presented. Right. But whereas the natural way to think about text, more natural, is to think about it as a one continuous string of characters. Indeed. With various markers in the text, right? So, so then text navigation isn't about going to the next line on the page. It's really about these markers that are useful for navigating to and from. Right. So that was, I guess, the thought process for uh-huh. the new techniques of navigation that you're talking about. All those different units that you can navigate from, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, bookmarks you've created, and time-based units, 15, 30, 60 seconds, those are all based sort of natural ways of navigating the text without thinking about whether which line on the page you're on. Yeah, and I I think that it works really well. So it's been really nice to be able to jump to things very easily. The other feature I'm really excited about is the pronunciation dictionary. Have you tried it? Yes. I haven't played a lot with it, but it's important. Yeah, I I figure, I mean, if you use TTS for a few minutes a day, if it mispronounces a, a word, it's not a big deal. But if you spend, you know, half an hour, an hour, more, more than that every day, and if there's a word that shows up a lot in your text and it's consistently mispronounced, it gets kind of annoying. So uh, It does, yes. <laughs> um, so, so the pronunciation dictionary is a way for you to correct that. Uh, and, and I spent a lot of time designing it and building it because I, um, in the past, TTS voices, the way you were changed its pronunciation is by, um, by using phonemes which are kind of sounds, uh-huh. representations of sounds. So in a sense, right. you have to tell the engine, this is how I want this word to sound. But then you have to understand what the phonemes Found. are, the phonetic alphabets are. Right. Most people don't know that and don't want to know that. I have forgotten most of them. <laughs> um, so the way I built it is so you can define what you want a word to sound, well, what other word do you want this word to sound like? So in a sense, mm-hmm. putting together a spelling that would make the TTS engine pronounce the word properly, which I think is a lot more natural for most of us. Yeah, for sure. 
And like you said, when you have a word that gets continuously mispronounced, it gets very annoying very quickly. As somebody who's reliant upon a screen reader, I almost flinch when I have to say words that I know they don't sound right, but that's how my screen reader pronounces them. So, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes I'll get out my Braille display and I'll read the letters because then I can actually tell what it says from reading those letters or I'll go character by character. But when you have to go character by character, then then you're looking at really tedious things. But it's important that we sound like we know what we're talking about. So when our text-to-speech voices <laughs> mispronounce things, we don't want to be the ones who repeat them. Yeah. Another thing I'm curious about is how did you make the partnership with Bookshare? Because this is actually an app that I myself am recommending to all of my clients. I myself work as a contractor for the Oregon Commission for the Blind, and I teach adults how to work with adaptive technology. And I'm recommending the Voice Dream Reader because of its support with Bookshare. It's very easy interface, and it makes getting Bookshare books super simple. So how did that partnership happen? I heard about Bookshare as something used a lot in education. You know, a lot of my early conversations with customers were, uh, were with special ed teachers and, and assistive technology professionals. So they brought up that uh, they use Bookshare. But when I suggested, well, why don't I build that in the voice stream? And uh, the response I got is, well, well, you know, we use Read2Go here. And so I downloaded Read2Go. <laughs> yep. And I played with it a little bit. And I think it's a very good app. I really like a lot of the, the way it works. But it also has some limitations. So I decided, well, why don't I give this a shot and see if I can bring Bookshare access into VoiceStream. Bookshare, by the way, uh-huh. has an open API. Anybody can go online. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Anybody so can go that's, online and take really a look. And in fact, you don't really need uh, a lot of hand-holding to make it work. And the API is very robust. So I just went ahead and did it without talking okay. too much to Bookshare. Um, I wasn't well. I wasn't sure how how they would react. To be honest, to the, the fact that I'm developing a competing product. And by the way, the the, the, the main rationale is that I, I feel like you know people who use TTS shouldn't buy multiple apps that often have the same voices, right? Know, just because each app can access one kind of content. And it would be nice to buy the acapella Heather, you know, to in a sense, you're paying for it one way or another to pay for that only once and have right. to work on all your content. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really the, the rationale yes. behind building that into my app. And I think that from the perspective of the community, that that's one of the reasons why Voice Dream is so appealing is that you are giving us access. And I can't think of much content that I don't have access to through it. So that's really empowering that I can go to one application and be able to read my Bookshare books, be able to read articles from the internet that maybe I've put into Instapaper or Pocket, grab my Dropbox files. The editor is not something that I have actually started working with much because I've been using it primarily for book reading, but that's also pretty powerful that you have the ability to edit documents if they're editable. So that's another piece of the puzzle that's really awesome to have access yeah, to. Yeah, the, oh, the editor is actually an afterthought. It's not very feature-rich. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't rely on that as a main word processor. Um, that's okay. But, but, you know, so it was back to Bookshare. When I, um, when I had the app built and I reached out to Bookshare, and they were incredibly supportive. 
Oh, and good. So I, I think they rightfully realize that their role in the world is not to sell apps. No, it's really their role not. Their in the world is provide content for people who need it. Right. And that's why they have the open API um, so that people like me can code to it and give people access. So far, since then, I keep in touch with them regularly. They tell me what's coming down the line. We have a great relationship. Good. And like I said, it's a very simple interface, and it makes getting Bookshare books super simple. I taught somebody how to do it yesterday, and she was just so excited because their website is very screen reader friendly, and they've got a great number of navigational tools built into the website. But it can feel really overwhelming because on their webpage, you have to choose which format you want the book to be in. And I guess that can trip people up for some of us that, oh, I don't know what format I want it in. Can't I just have the book? <laughs> so I like that on Voice Dream, I don't have to choose. I just get the book. Right, right. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want to share about the application? What your hopes are for the future? It sounds like it's become a, a great a business for you. Yeah. This app, Voice Stream Reader, is uh, my full-time job. Uh, I'm not working on another app. I'm not working. I don't have another job. This is what I do. And I feel like this is my calling in life. I get an average of sort of two, three emails a day from people who write to me and says, you know, your app made such a difference in my life. And, and I, I can't think of anything else in, that I can do in life that, that can give me this much satisfaction. So this is I'm committed, fully committed to it, and uh -huh. I'm adding new features to it. And it's been for the last year, my customers get the new stuff for free, even though I don't have to. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Even though I don't have to add new new features to the app, the things that are coming down the line, I know one thing, and I regretted that it doesn't work in Voice Stream is that's text selection oh, with okay. VoiceOver. This, that's the only thing in the app that's not voiceover accessible. Okay. And the reason, the reason I haven't made it accessible is that most people I talk to really don't like how voiceover does text selection. It's very challenging. Yeah. yeah. It's un unreliable and it doesn't work well. And I actually thought of a way to do text selection uh, with voiceover that's much more intuitive for blind people which is a similar idea as my uh, flexible navigation, is that you, you can't think of text as a bunch of lines on a page. You have right. to think of text as a continuous stream of characters. So why not let people pick a word and then tell the reader where to move the beginning marker and uh -huh. where to move the end marker, right? Right. move it back and forward by a word, back and forward by a character, or back and forward by a sentence. So yeah. if, you, if you can move those two things independently, then you can select a piece of text very naturally. That seems to make more sense than me holding down my shift key even on my computer. Right. But again, right, this is where I think a lot of accessibility technology, it's a Band-Aid on top of a, yes. a, a design that's fundamentally for, for visual readers. Right. Right. So, so what I want to do is that I want to make this app sort of architected and designed from the ground up mm -hmm. um, for people who read differently. So, that, so that's why I haven't done it, and I want to do it. That's the next major feature okay. that I'm going to build. You're going to make it right, so that's awesome. That's what's important. That's right. I, I, want, I want to do it right. <laughs> and I, I guess, uh, lastly, I, I want to say thank you again to the blind community. You've been so supportive, been so, so helpful, you really helped me a lot. And, and, and by the way, you know, the, the reward that, that, that I've got 
which is uh, knowing that I, I'm able to make a positive difference in the world, in people's lives, is more than any, any amount of money I can make. It's really appreciated. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and other developers by having the opportunity to be a podcast host. You know, I spoke with, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Tap Tap C app, but that is a yes. um, an app that recognizes objects. And the developer had a very similar attitude that you do, which is that he did this not really thinking, oh, I should make something specific for the blind community, but hey, there's a need and this is going to work really well. And the great thing about Voice Dream is that it's an app that anybody should use. So I really love that we're getting into this mindset that accessibility is really more usability rather than, like you said, a Band-Aid on top of something it's let's make it so that everyone has access and that the app is great for all people rather than, oh, let's make something that's specific and for the blind community. And then it's not really something that anybody else would want. Because I feel like a lot of the apps that we use are good for everyone rather than just us. Right. And that's the principle of universal design, which I completely abide by. And it's possible, it's possible, uh, you know, for most businesses, maybe you think, well, I don't want to compromise my design for the majority in order to serve the minority. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think if you think through design properly, it's entirely possible to build a product that is universally accessible without compromising it for anyone. Well, thank you so much, Winston. I hope that you have a fantastic summer off on your adventures and... It's been a pleasure speaking with you and getting to know more about the history of the app and your process. Thank you for inviting me. Welcome back to the news portion of Triple Click Home episode 20. I'd like to thank Alina for that excellent interview. It was fun to be able to join you, Miss Alina, on that. And uh, some really yeah. interesting stuff there about uh, from you know the developer himself and the direction he wants to go with the app. I think it's an excellent app, actually. It oh, very is. much so. Yeah. And he's worked really, really hard, and he really cares about us and our feedback. And I say it's worth every penny, Absolutely. and I really do mean that. Yep, agreed. wonder if this new Apple TV is going to be worth every penny that they keep talking <laughs> yeah, about really? that we don't really know <laughs> if they're going to get it or not. <laughs> yeah, looks like the evidence rumors. is yes, yeah, but the evidence is starting rumors. to really, really point in that direction. I, it is. I've had debates with a friend of mine who keeps telling me, "No, it's not going to be an Apple TV." You know, it's just all smoke <laughs> and mirrors. But I don't know. This next article really sort of makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. And specifically because they just acquired a company from Israel that actually is the developer behind the Connect. From Microsoft. Right, Microsoft Connect, so those uh, gestures uh, mm -hmm. that you get to use when you're playing on your Microsoft Connect. It's interesting, and I think it's very possible. There's also been uh, some evidence that they've been in conversations with cable companies. And mm -hmm. we've said it here before that it's going to be all about the content, right? You know, yep. right. why should I go buy a television from Apple if I'm not getting anything different than I get right. with my... One from Sony or Samsung. Right. And it makes perfect sense to have everything integrated because that's what you'd believe Apple would do. The gestures to control the remote, all of the content right there. Yep. You know, so it, it kind of does point in that direction. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go out on a limb like Buddy and be the anti-predictor, but... Uh, <laughs> 
You know, it's just starting to look more and more possible. Apple's got something coming. I'll tell you what, this may sound ridiculous, but if I could just have access to my programming guide. I agree. I would be happy to. That would be really cool. That would. I'd love that. Because I am a cable subscriber and I'm a cable subscriber mainly because I have internet and it was cheaper for me to have a cable package. And uh, I hardly ever worry about watching television because I just don't have the patience. You know, I don't have the patience to go find out what's on TV unless I already know what I'm going to go watch. And I have no access to the program guide. So playing the surf the television isn't really fun for me. Okay, well, I'm going to take this opportunity to bash my own cable company because it's it's (laughs) kind of on the same subject. Please do. Access. My cable company is Optimum for those people who live here on the East Coast. We'll be familiar with them. And they have a wonderful iPhone app and they have a Mac and a PC app. Problem is, they're not accessible. The iPhone app used to be very accessible, but they've gone backwards. Uh, so uh-huh. I don't know what these people are doing. Somebody's asleep at the switch. But if you're a blind person who can hear my voice and you're an Optimum <laughs> subscriber, please contact them and ask them to make their applications accessible for us. Because I wish I had another alternative because yeah. I'm ready to dump them in a heartbeat at this point. For a lot of reasons, but this was sort of the straw. Sorry. Sorry to get off on my soapbox, folks, but it just reminded me of my blood pressure going up the other night. So, <sighs> <laughs> Well, and the good news is that if the Apple TV, the Apple television, I should say, is anything like the Apple TV, then those of us who use voiceover and accessibility features yes. can be excited because... It's very likely that we would be able to interact with this television without any problem. I, I can't even tell you how, how awesome that would so, be to just, just sit in front of yeah. TV. You don't have to have a sighted person help you at all. Yeah. Almost like buying books on the Kindle uh, on your yeah. iPhone. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, something um, like that. We yeah. recently got a new receiver exactly. and uh, it's really neat because it's not tied. Our Apple TV is no longer tied to the television. So I like that I all I have to do is turn on the receiver and then make sure voiceover is running on my Apple TV and then nobody else has to be in the room. And it's, it's pretty great. And then I'm not using the electricity for our television, which I cannot see. So yeah, that's my other thing. Like, I'm not sure how much money I want to pay Apple for a television that I can't see. Yeah. That's, you know, it's <laughs> going to be pricey. I mean, that when you might yeah. as well be prepared for, I mean, don't, there should be no shock when the prices come out and you go, huh? <laughs> yes. Come on. All right, let's move on to a question mark, which is uh, that maybe the iPad mini won't be coming out with a retina display this year. We, of course, again, have no idea because this is, again, a speculation from somebody. And I have to say that would be disappointing. I know some people that are holding off on getting the iPad mini because they want the retina display. Yeah, so do I. So... It'll be interesting to see. I know that there's talk. They are redesigning it so that it's lighter weight and sleeker because that's what Apple does. But I don't know. Do we actually know when our next Apple event is? It's probably going to be September, October. Normally, that's when it happens. Yeah. But it's a good article for you guys to read, and you can speculate along with this author. I love these rumors because everyone just hedges their bets. You know what I'm saying? They just, everyone, maybe it will, maybe it won't. And if it does, maybe it'll look like this. It's like someone's going to be right at some point. Um, At some point. And then they're going to say, I told you. I told you. you. It's all guesswork. (laughs) 
So, John, have you, or Jamie, have you guys gotten to play with the iPad mini? Because my main complaint with the traditional iPad as a voiceover user is that I'd end up doing my gestures in the wrong part of the screen, and then I wasn't on the right column. And that really bothered me, because one of the things I like about my iPhone is that I don't really care where my finger is. Yeah, that's the only complaint I get from my clients about the uh-huh. iPad is learning that split screen thing, yeah. you know, like in settings or in mail right. and such. Yeah, that, that happens to me all the time. I did get to play with the mini. You know, it's funny because when it first came out, I was one of those people, ah, I don't want to, you know, mini, I don't have no purpose, no use for a mini. <laughs> I went into an Apple store with my brother and I picked this thing up and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I could see myself buying one of these things. They're so cute. I almost walked out of the store buying one. I was so close to doing it. I just was like, you know what? I like my big iPad, but I really think I could fall in love with this thing. And I just give the big one to my brother or something, you know? I was so close huh. to doing it. Yeah. I've not gotten to hold a mini. I'd like my to. My husband has yeah. this idea that we're going to get an iPad mini and it's just going to be attached to the refrigerator because then he can go over and bring up his recipes and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, touching it or moving. <laughs> but he's not going to buy one unless it has the retina display. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So no. We'll find out. Only time will tell. That's right. right. Just two more short months. Uh, or three. Yeah, yeah, right. Or four. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So this next story actually is a lesson to everyone that's listening to this podcast. And that is... You need to use the charger that comes with your phone. Yes. This is the one I alluded to earlier on about, you know, the media right away jumping on Apple. Because as soon as I heard this story, I knew it had nothing to do with an Apple product. It was a third-party device. Anytime you hear stories like this, it's people who cheap out and buy a third-party, what do they call that, non-authorized or whatever. Authorized, recommended, yeah. Yeah, recommended, whatever. Yep. And both of these cases, the fire and the electrocution in China, I guess it was, yep. of yeah. people supposedly. I mean, you read the headlines the media puts out, person electrocuted when recharging their iPhone. Right. I have the freakiest story for you. Really? Here. You're going you're gonna to love this. Well, okay. first of all, my, my wife's uh, iPad 4, we had to have it replaced because the battery either failed or it was like getting really hot and uh-huh. it was like shutting off and she couldn't keep it charged. So something weird happened to it. Anyway... They replaced it. No problem. Apple was very quick about that. Yeah. So we go on vacation last week, and I have a dream that I had plugged my iPhone. I'm not making this up. I had plugged my iPhone into an unsupported charger. And in my dream, I hear it sizzling, my iPhone. <gasps> I wake up the next morning, and I, I hear the story about the electrocution on the news. And it's like, now that is freaky. Wow. That is weird. I, I, Jamie, I, you're I, a yeah. prophet. I promise you, I have not plugged my iPhone yeah, into an unsupported charger. I do not own an unauthorized, but that was weird now. I'm telling you. Yes. That's amazing. It really is. And creepy. It's like, I know where the dream came from. The dream well, came I, from I, my I, wife and the overheating iPad and the blah, blah, blah. But uh-huh. the coincidence, the right. timing was just perfect. No, no, you're really just a prophet. So, you know, we're going to come to you next oh, time. Oh, yeah, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I had too much Italian food is all my problem. Right, so was, what stock yeah. should I be buying? <laughs> but when I heard this story, the moment I heard it, I, I forget who I was with when it came on the radio or the TV. Uh-huh. And I said, you want to bet? It has nothing to do with Apple. Yep. And I actually... Just experience. I do own a charging cable that I got on Amazon that is not an Apple charger. And... 
I haven't had any problems with it. So, you know, right. I'm going to do the keep my fingers crossed thing. I also don't tend to talk on my iPhone, though, when it's charging. No, I don't either. You know, I have. It's probably a good idea not to. I've seen cell phone documentation that said, don't talk on this phone when it's plugged in. Right. And uh, so that's probably smart, honestly. But I do it <laughs> still. But yeah, so don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> don't be stupid, you That's moron. what we often tell you guys, right? <laughs> that's right. Don't be stupid. Yeah. All right. So moving on from... People being electrocuted to pain for things with our face. This is actually it, it's, a... it's creepy and interesting <laughs> at the same time. Yes. So there are multiple developers actually that are working on projects for facial recognition that you would essentially get to the cashier's line. This device would recognize who you are. You would then no longer have to use your card, your phone, nothing. You would just walk by, they would scan your items, and you would walk out, and all of it would have been paid for with your smile. Insert all the jokes you want about paying for something with your good luck. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> there are even talks that some of the companies are looking at making this facial recognition cater to you as a shopper. So, you know, maybe you walk in the door, and it says... Hi, Jamie. How are you today? That would be too creepy. I wanted to let you know that this is on sale. That would. That would would freak me out. That cologne you bought last time, well, it's on sale this this (laughs) time. Oh, man. I didn't buy any cologne. No. Not me. No. I don't know. That gets into the whole creepy factor. Yeah. I like the idea of being able to just pay without having to take your wallet out and all that stuff and, you know, just to yeah. verify. That part of it I like. Convenience is great. But right. when you go beyond that a little bit, uh, when they start trying to cater, you know, to who you are, that's a little scary. Yeah. Starting to cross boundaries as far as I'm concerned. Maybe we could do that in the airport. Yes. You don't have to fiddle with your photo ID. Just right. walk up and stick okay. your this face on this thing. And, okay, it's that would you. be go pretty on. neat. That would actually. I'd still have to raise up my sunglasses, though. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Every time I walk up to the TSA, I should just remember that they're going to ask me. But they always are like, Miss, I'm sorry, I need to see your eyes. Oh, all right. I went through in Orlando. I shouldn't really be saying this. Uh-huh. You know, they tell you you got to take everything out of your pockets, take off your belt, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Take off your uh, shoes. Well, I took off my shoes, but, you know, it's just like, it was hot. I was just like, screw this. I just want to get into the gate where there's air condition. I went through with stuff in my pockets, with my belt on, the metal detector never went off. And I had metal on. Uh-huh. I kept my belt on both yeah. directions. From yeah, Columbus so did I. But I had stuff yep. in my pocket, too, that should have wow. triggered the metal detector. <laughs> Whoops. And I got through, and I was like, turn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Since we're sharing stories about the TSA, I have to share this one. When I went down to California last month, I took one of Empress's Nyla bones with me, and we got stopped because of the bone. <laughs> so they scanned my backpack, so, saw this like hard foreign object. You should have said, that's mine. And then the guy brings over the backpack, and he's like, I ask that you please not touch the bag while I'm examining it. And he brings out the nylophone, and then, like, after we were putting on our shoes, my husband says, they're totally giggling over there. Like, they feel like complete idiots that they just 
stopped us. So John strolls through with a pocket knife, been, even, and Alina gets busted for a Nyla bone. Yeah. Nice. Right, right. And, and that, you know what you yep. should have did, Alina? You should have just grabbed the bone and put it in your mouth and said, that's mine. It's my bone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch my bone. My bone. <laughs> Our poor Abby was really confused. She's like, what are you doing What's with mine? my toy? Yeah. Now that we've excited all of you with our stories about the TSA, yeah. let's move on to DRM free ebooks, which uh, I hope of so. course do actually exist, but they're not really common. It's a very small percentage of the ebook market that's actually DRM free. And, you know, as somebody who uses my iPhone for all of my ebooks, I don't really see the point other than that I really do think that DRM needs to die. <laughs> It just needs to go away. Quick death. But somebody mentioned being able to lend books to their friends. And when you have an ebook, you can't do that. You just hand them the device or right, you don't right. lend them anything. And there's a more practical thing, too. It's if you buy a book, let's say, for an iBooks, okay? You can't read that on your Mac right now. Nope. Because it's DRM. So you can't use Stanza or iText to read the EPUB version right. of the book because it's DRM. Yep. So that, to me, is a practical reason why it's got to go. I agree. And beyond that, of course, is the reality that it's just another way of corporations basically saying, we're controlling your activity. Right, your access. And I'm not okay with that. And, you know, the point of this author's post is actually to say, okay, well, Apple came out with DRM-free music, which actually spawned Amazon to do the same thing. So maybe if Apple says, you know what, we're just getting rid of the DRM on our books, then other companies will say, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, they that led the way with me. music, so why not? Yeah. When we come back from our break, we will have your comments, questions, and other pieces of our mailbag here on Triple Click Home. Hey, how you doing? This is Trisha Yearwood for RAD. When you're out partying, please plan ahead and choose a designated driver. I do. Remember, music lives, and so should you. That's what happens when you fall for a pistol. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody, I'm Jamie Pauls from the Saratoc Podcast Network. And I'm Joe Stonkamp from the Saratoc Podcast, and we are all over the place, aren't we, Jamie? We certainly are. As a matter of fact, we're going to participate in an access chat on August 6th. It's a Twitter chat, as a matter of fact. If you'd like to participate, you follow the hashtag access chat. It's sponsored by Fedora Outlier. That's www.fedora, F-E-D-O-R-A, Outlier, O-U-T-L-I-E-R, dot com. So when is this going to take place, you ask? Well, it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, again, on August the 6th. Joe, what else do we have coming up? Well, we're also going to be on Accessible World. Lisa Sanglinger, our own Lisa, is going to be there on August 19th. And that's going to be sometime around, ooh, I don't know, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can find that in the Pat Price Tech Talk 
training room. Oh my gosh, lots of teas. And again, AccessibleWorld.com. Find Lisa talking about the new SamNet socializer. In fact, you can hear about that right now on, oh my gosh, Main Menu. Check out Main Menu. We were featured in June and July's episodes. And don't forget, all of our convention audio is now up. Five amazing specials plus two specials on the HIMSS event. Check it out at www.serotalk.com. If you want to keep up to date with everything going on with the Serotalk Podcast Network, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Serotalk. Welcome back to everyone. We have an email here from Janine, and Janine wants to know about the accessibility of Square. So for all of you that are not aware, Square is a device that you can connect to an iOS device. It's for small business transactions, essentially. And the cool thing about Square is that they have really low fees. So for small-time merchants or even small businesses, it is a great option for them. And based on my recollection, I've actually talked with some people who have successfully paired a Bluetooth headset with their iPhone or their iPad and been able to utilize Square and VoiceOver at the same time. But Janine was having struggles with this. So the answer is I cannot attest to it. And John and Jamie have not used it themselves either. So we're going to go with the, we have anecdotal Uh, evidence. Yeah, I I know somebody out in Hawaii. Ronnie, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, maybe you could write into us and let us know how you were doing it. It's a conversation I had with Ronnie last summer, but I don't remember how he was doing it. The important thing for Janine and everybody else to know is that there is a new partnership between the NFB of Massachusetts and Square. They are working on making sure that the apps are fully accessible with VoiceOver. So the good news is that the company seems to be aware that the apps are not as accessible as they would like them to be. And so they are working with a couple of developers that happen to be associated with the NFB of Massachusetts, and their goal is to make it fully usable. So I don't know what that timeline looks like because they often don't want to report that since you don't want to be wrong, but it's being worked on. So if you have gotten a chance to use Square and did it successfully with a Bluetooth headset or with a Braille display, which I believe does actually work for sure, please let us know by giving us an iReport or an email. You can also send us a tweet. Jamie just said that we're up to 1,900 followers. So thank you. To, Yay. That's uh, awesome. Or almost 1,900 followers. Very close. So thank you to everyone who actually is following our Twitter feed. I know that I follow it, and there are great articles that get posted every single day. So it is a pretty awesome feed to follow. And you can, of course, send us iReports on your iOS device or your Android if you so want to. You can also send us an email at resources at serotalk.com. So... We hope to hear from you guys, and then maybe we'll feature you on our next podcast. That's right. <laughs> People like Diego, who sent us an iReport and said, hey, you guys forgot to mention the flashlight and all of the iOS 7 stuff that's coming up. And we did forget to mention that really important feature. That's true. The flashlight. The flashlight. Yep. I didn't realize all that. All those developers of the flashlight apps are, I guess, out of work. They're going to be very sad. Really, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what more can you do with a flashlight app than... Mm, actually, that'll make a, make a friend of mine very happy. Oh. 
Oh, well. It is useful for sighted people. I mean, I've been in situations where... Yeah, absolutely. My wife uses yeah. those all the time. Yeah. Yep. And it's even useful when you're the only person with an iPhone. And then you're like, right. hey, look, I can turn on a flashlight. Here you go. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this podcast up by going into a few more things. Let's talk a little bit about how you can request a refund for an app. Have you guys ever done this process? I have not actually requested a refund. I've never done it this route. I have not either. I've done it, but not no. by this 10-step process that the guy spells out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, 10 steps, man. Is there an easier method that you should share with us? I, I just wrote to iTunes support. Yeah. And don't ask me how I found. I did a, a Google search for iTunes support, uh-huh. and I found an email somehow. Like, wow. And I just wrote and I explained what had happened and they got back to me within a half hour and they authorized the refund. So, you know, that's the way You're I the do man. It. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, people <laughs> just luck. I mean, man. I looked at this guy's <laughs> yeah. 10 steps. And I'm going, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you uh, need a refund for an app that's not accessible or that you feel that you deserve a refund for, for whatever reason, you can follow this 10-step process. And I haven't heard from anybody that it's been a problem. So that's the good news. But don't think you're going to have an app that you've kept for a year yeah. and pull right. this off. Right. It's got to be in the last 30 days or yep. something like that. Yeah. That they'll only issue a refund yeah. for. So speaking of apps, let's talk about apps that we're excited about or that have come out recently. So Flexi has a new update that I'm super enjoying, which is that I have a favorites list now and I can just tap on favorites when I'm done writing my little message and then it pops up with the names and then I click them and then I get to send off my text message and it's very easy and I really like it. That's cool. Yeah. It's also more responsive. That I think is neat. Speaking of text messages, uh, it's important to note that Embrail has just come out with a new update as well. And they also are allowing you to send text messages for free. So you can now tweet and send texts. And if you are skilled enough at using Embrail, which I (laughs) seem to not be. Yeah, you and me both. (laughs) Yeah, it takes some work. It does. It really does. And I really want the tabletop way of doing it to work for me because I'm not skilled at holding the phone away from me at all. Mm. But I... Still am having the, how much time do I really want to spend typing this? So it's a really neat application, and I really think it's fantastic that they have those features for their free version. If you want all of the features, you can, of course, spend the, is it $30, I believe? Yes, it's $30. I think that's, yeah. Okay. And speaking of things that cost money. Ah, yes. (laughs) Seeing iGPS has been officially released. And I can speak to my experience as a beta tester. Maybe I shouldn't admit this on while I'm doing this podcast, but I haven't actually purchased it. And that is not because I don't think that it's a worthy app. It's just that right now my wallet is not capable of spending that kind of money. So for everyone who doesn't know, which would probably be zero of our listeners. Yeah, based on the uh, email list. CNI is going to <laughs> yeah. cost you $70 for a one-year subscription or 100 and, is it 125 uh, 120 or 25 Yeah, somewhere around that ballpark. Yeah, close okay. in there. For three years. So it's actually a significant discount if you choose to do the three-year plan instead of right. the one-year plan. 
As a former beta tester of the application, I can tell you that it has a lot of cool features. I really enjoyed getting to an intersection and being told what kind of intersection it was. I think that's very useful for those of us that are visually impaired. I also really like that you can be told about points of interest that are around you. It is pretty accurate, although I will say that one of the downsides that they are hopefully going to be fixing in the next version is that you can't lock your screen. Yeah, So that's a big one. Yeah, kind of sucks your battery life mm-hmm. if you can't lock your screen. Is this strictly just pedestrian-only type of stuff? No. No. It does have it what is it, vehicular and pedestrian. Oh, you see, this is why I'm tempted to do it. I really am. I went ahead and got it. It's interesting because I don't do a lot of pedestrian stuff. I live in a residential yeah, area, and, and there's just not many places uh-huh. for me to walk. I will say I don't think it's as optimized for vehicular. I tried it, and it just really? felt like, I don't know, it's like proceed southwest on such and such street, and that's not quite the kind of information that I needed in the car as my wife was driving. If I was walking, awesome. I think points of interest are a little harder to find in... I was playing with Navigon the other day, just kind of looking at how you find... uh, I've looked in a town about 20 miles away at a Mexican restaurant that I knew that Uh it existed. I could find it easily. Using the Foursquare data in the Seeing Eye app, it's like I selected only restaurants and apparently... Someone hadn't bothered to label the Mexican restaurant as a restaurant because it's also a bar. So I couldn't find oh, it. No. <laughs> you had to literally keep all of the categories oh. selected, which kind of defeats the purpose. I didn't yeah. try the other. The So I, I'm not speaking negatively. I'm just saying there are some yeah. aspects that maybe aren't as smooth yet okay. as some of the commercial mainstream apps. But I can see, like, for just knowing where you are and what's around you, especially if you were walking mm-hmm. around in an area, I think it's yep. great. But like you said, the locking the screen thing is a, is a big deal, I think, right yeah, now. That would probably. Be yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So we should mention that Sendero is looking for feedback for those of you who have not gone onto their website and voted for the two features that you most want to see in the next version. They really do appreciate the feedback because they know that there are things that didn't come out in this very first version that people want to see. I think number one is being able to add your own POI. And that's because for people who've used Sendero products for the last, you know, how many ever years it's been now, Mm -hmm. that's been the thing that they really grasp onto. Because when you're visually impaired, you don't necessarily want to know just where the building is. You want to know where the door is. Right. And that's pretty critical for those of us who are utilizing GPS. So that's something they do want to be able to incorporate into the next app. But we'll make sure to provide you with a link to that survey, essentially, where you can vote on the features that you do want to see. I actually have a question. I, to be honest, have not had a chance to listen to all of the podcasts that have come out about the Seeing Eye app yet. Has anyone Uh really addressed, because I know when they were talking about the app last year, there was an indication that they might do a subscription-based model, like uh, monthly. Has anyone spoken to that yet from Sendero? As far as I know, what Mike has told people in the emails that I've been, because I'm on the GPS Mm -hmm. list from the company, is that they are playing around with the idea of a monthly subscription. 
The right. reason why the in-app purchase is there the way that it is, so you download the app for free, as you guys noticed, mm-hmm. was because Apple doesn't allow for that. It's also important to note that the reason why you're paying a subscription rather than a one-time fee is that the mapping companies have started charging companies like Sendero a yearly fee, which is new. So they didn't used to do that. You could buy the map and then you were good to go. And now they're like, no, we really want you guys to pay this much every single year. So when you buy Navigon, though, you pays your forty nine ninety five right up front. So how is that different yep. than seeing eye? My understanding is is that it's very possible that companies like Garmin will actually switch to a subscription based model. Okay. Because they also are just now experiencing this new rule from the gotcha. mapping companies. Okay. It's also possible that Garmin has so much money that they don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Knows. <laughs> Who knows? That's a possibility yeah. as well. But it is. You know, because think of yeah, the wider so, audience that they sell to. And, you know, that's the debate always is um, uh, because you, you see these mailing lists, people, well, I think we should only buy mainstream apps. Uh, you know, I'm not going to disagree that, that we should work with developers to make sure things are accessible as possible. But yep. there's probably no way a, a, a Navigon or a Motion X GPS app is going to yep. ever give us the kind of information that Sendero is going to know that we need. So I guess you, you pay for what you really need or want. Right. Maybe That's right. And that's what it's really going to have to come down to for everyone. And at this point, I think the people who make the argument of I'm not willing to spend the money until I see a demonstration, that's all mute to me because of how many podcasts have been done right. demonstrating its features. Robert did a great one for the Tech Doctor podcast. Darren Duff has done one that's, I think it's on the blind cool tech. And there's also an interview with Mike May himself on an Apple Viz podcast. Because another concern that I have for myself is it's not a map on my phone. And Mike actually talks about all the reasons why they chose to go with basically the same way that your maps app works. It's it's not a map on your phone, so it's using your data when you're out and about. And I think we should remind people so, this is version one. You know? Right. This it is, is version, version one. one. And right now it is only available in the United States and Canada. They are, however, very, very close to having a beta testing team for the UK and all of Europe. Mm-hmm. And I know they're working on you know, spreading it out to as many areas as they can. It's just a process and you have to, you know, realize that that Sendero is a very small company and Mike's very committed to making this app as great as it can be. So that's part of the reason why it's taken so long. And there's still more things that they want to fix and things that they want to add. So as Jamie just said, it's version one and we all need to be mindful of that. And if you want to support their company and want to support their chosen business model, then you should go and buy the app. Because if you have the money to do it and you want the extra features of knowing what's around you, and it's literally as easy as like shaking your phone to know what's around you. I mean, that's, it'll also tell you what kind of intersection you're at. And 
that can be really critical for those of us that are being pedestrians. And it does have a lot of cool features. And it plays cool sounds. It's got some cool <laughs> Yeah, noises. I like the sounds. <laughs> and John should get it because he's silly sitting on the fence and so should I. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really yeah. excited. I'm really considering it. And we don't have this in our show notes, Jamie, but I have to say that I'm totally addicted to Solara. <laughs> Hey, Solara could be in our show notes, man. We'll put what Solara is, in there. What is Solara? The interview. What, what is, okay, I feel like I'm, you know, missing the party here. What is Solara? I bought it and played it for like an hour, and then I, I quit. I need to. It's a game that, uh, well, go ahead and explain it, Alina. It is a strategy game. It's so ridiculous, and I love it. Basically, the goal of the game is to have a really cool castle, and you have all these members of your castle that are helping you go and fight quests. It's very much like playing D&D, except that it's not role-playing. Right. right. You know, you're essentially just saying, yeah, let's go let's do, do that. that. And the game and does all the work for pick. you. You don't really have to do oh, I it much does. of It's so thing. cool. <laughs> it just ruined things because now I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go get this game, and the uh-huh. rest of my evening is going to be shot. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. No, here's the coolest thing, John. Oh, no. So in order to do your quests... You have to have food right. as one of their currencies, okay? When you run out of food, that's it. You can, like, hang out for the next couple hours and then come back and your food will have been restocked. <laughs> and, you know, it's great because I only play for, like, 10 minutes at a time and then I run out of food. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, all right. Just wait. Well, I'm not spending real money on this <laughs> yeah, game. Right. so <laughs> No way. I will say, though, that the developer has gone to, again, great lengths, just as Winston and other developers have, to making the app fully accessible with voiceover. The interface is very simple, very easy to use. Like Jamie said, the game does all the work for you. So when I go into a fight, you know, I just hit the fight button and I pick out, you know, which three or four one of my characters I want to use in my fight. And then I hit the fight button, and that's, and it. that's it. And then yep. it goes to town. That's right. <laughs> awesome. It's cool. I don't have to say, yeah, let's use this magical spell. No. Or, yep, use those arrows. <laughs> it's called Solara? Uh-huh. Yes, S-O-L-A-R-A. Okay. And it is totally 100% yes. free. Oh, and oh it's no. You've just ruined my... I see where fun. this is going <laughs> later on today. <laughs> Thanks, Alina. And now we'll have another one. I'll tell you what, John. If you just looked up Solera on Twitter right now, oh, my dear Lord, the number of tweets you would come back with from our community. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's silly. People are like, oh, I need 200,000 gold before I can upgrade to the next <laughs> castle level. Ah. <laughs> oh, That's funny. I played I Associate 2 until I actually kind of burn out on it for a while. I'm, I'll get back to it. Eventually, yeah. but I really just wore myself out. I love that game. There's no word game for me yeah. that even comes close to that game. Oh, nice. I've tried other things. I just, also no. just got the crossword shuffle, I believe is what it's called. Oh, yeah? It's very similar to Seven Little Words, mm-hmm. but instead of picking out which set of clues you want, it just puts you on levels. And I think you start out with like three or four different words that you have to find the four different clues that you have to find the answers to. And then it raises you up and then it's tricky because it'll actually include letters, groups of letters that aren't actually in any of the answers, which I found very frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. I don't know what this word is. There are these extra letters that I don't think that they belong with anything. Uh But that one's also free and really fun to play with. Okay. And apparently, as Jamie, I think, alluded to earlier, 
Joe Steinkamp actually got to interview the developer of Solera. It was funny reading uh, his tweets. It's like, I'm at level such and such, and I'm addicted to this game. And I, (laughs) like, he was trying to work. And Joe, oh, Joe's a big gamer. He loves games. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. Go on to his Twitter feed yeah. and you will see evidence of how much Solera has become a part of his <laughs> life. Yes. Also, the rumor now is that we'll be seeing the NLS app in September. Yeah, it went from correct? July to September. Now. Yeah. It's a little disappointing. Really kind of bummed. Yeah, I was yeah. disappointed. Yeah. I was so excited for NFB to happen because I was like, oh, that means NLS is coming out with their. Oh. Mm. So no. if you go to sarotalk.com and you will find our five convention specials there and in one of them, and to be yes. perfectly honest, I can't remember which one at the moment. I put the shows together. Uh, <laughs> Derek does do an interview with NLS and actually does a demo of the uh, NLS nice. app. It really? is quite well done. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Inger also got an interview with them. And if it's them, basically but. the same one that they had back at CSUN, yeah. it's a great app. And I'm really excited that... Someday my book sense is going to be in a drawer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no offense to Hibbs. No, nope, not, <laughs> not at all. So if you guys out there in uh, listening land, <laughs> if you have any other apps that you are really enjoying, let us know because that's something that is important to the community. I mean, AppleViz is a fantastic resource, of course, for all of your app needs. However, it's really neat to listen to people's experiences with apps rather than just seeing that they're accessible or not accessible. So be sure to send us some iReports or emails about your favorite apps and why. And maybe you could even let us know what your experience with the Seeing iGPS is because I know that the more people who talk about it, the more likely that people are going to buy it because they just want to know what they're getting themselves into before they spend the 70 or over $100 for this application. And I'm not going to talk about the price because I don't think it's fair for anybody to make a decision for the company about what they should charge people. And since we all are aware that we pay for other things, you know, think about the day that you bought your first standalone GPS. Oh. Hundreds of dollars. Right. So, anywho, I think that's going to be it for this episode of Triple Triple Click Home. Home. We really appreciate everybody who listens to the show and everybody who follows our Twitter feed. Because, hey, we might surpass blind bargains or something. That's a hurdle right there. Wouldn't that be something? Man, we have to work to do that. Those guys are... And if you don't follow Blind Bargains, you really should, since I work for them. Yes, you should. That's right. Okay. I'm done with Alina tuning her own horn. Hey, not a problem. So if you want to follow Triple Click Home, you can, of course, go to twitter.com slash triple click home. You can also go to our website, tripleclickhome.com, where you can find all of the episodes of our podcast. They are also listed in iTunes, of course, or on iBlink Radio, which is my favorite way of listening to the podcast. If you want to follow me, and we will, of course, mention that none of the opinions that are mentioned in our own personal Twitter feeds are connected to Sarah Tech. I cannot do buddy spiel yeah, at all. Yeah, I know. All. Buddy's no. so good at this yeah, stuff. Yeah. But uh, the important thing to know is that it's my personal Twitter feed. So you're you're following me. You're not following the company, nor do I associate my Twitter feed with the company at all. So 
You can follow me at twitter.com slash blind perspective and that's B-L-I-N-D-P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V without the E. And you could be among the few and the proud who can follow me at Mac <laughs> for the Blind. Uh, be among my 36 or 37 followers. And- oh, I totally am following you. I am too. I'm too. You need to tweet more often. Yeah, I know I do. Yes. That's my problem. It's, I got to make it a part yeah. of my regular routine. That's really the problem. Yeah. With you can follow me. I'll give you a couple of uh, Twitter feeds, actually. My personal Twitter feed is twitter.com slash Jamie Pauls. That's J-A-M-I-E-P-A-U-L-S. I'm also mostly responsible for the content on Talk. So twitter.com slash Talk. Miss Lisa Salinger also helps out with that feed some when I am not around. And thanks to her for that as well. So there you go. All right. So we will catch you guys next month.